Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of talking to Vicky Lowry of the Daniliquin Ute Muster in New South Wales. Uh, today, Vicky and I are talking all things accessible and inclusive events. Now, let's dive in and chat to Vicky. Prior to 2019, we thought that we ticked all the boxes. We had accessible, or we called them back then, disabled toilets within the festival arena in the camp area. We had uh, disabled camp areas. We had companion paths system set in place. So we, we thought that we had done it all until we had an accessibility case study done on our event in 2019 and it really opened our eyes to see where we had gaps and where we could improve and just see what we should be doing. And, um, you know, for some of the things we were quite embarrassed when we found out that we weren't doing what we should be doing. And, mm-hmm. and one example of that is that we have a lot of permanent infrastructure and toilets on our site and part of that is we do have an accessible toilet block in the ute paddock where the young ones camp which is up to standards with the toilet and shower we have two of those blocks but everywhere else on site we hired we hire a lot of toilets and showers in and um, which is the same with the accessible toilets. Well, when we read this report and then we looked at, had a really good look at these toilets, uh, look, I was so embarrassed to think that how does anyone even actually get in here with the wheelchair, let alone use the foot or the hand pumps? Apparently they were the wrong ones anyway, and then get out of them again. And that was then that we realised, wow, you know, there's so much more we can be doing to have an accessible camp area for people to camp in but you know they come with families and families and friends so you know we have to allow area for them as well um they yeah. can't just be yeah. put in one area by and only have a small area just for them so hey Vicky the case study I'm really curious was that something that you instigated yourself as the Ute Muster or did somebody just do that as a project or how did yeah, that come it, about the New South Wales government the um, accessibility team, Kuhn and Ari, they contacted us. Yeah, okay. And they, they have been a great resource and support of our event now. And, you know, it's so within the New South Wales government under festivals and that support mm. team, the resources that they have for events, and I can send you that information, is great for events. And that's what they're there for, is to help everyone in the in events. Yeah, great. That's a really good resource that I'm assuming other events in New South Wales could tap into as well. You know what I'm, I love about the Denny Ute Muster is I think when you, you say to people the Denny Ute Muster, they create their own image and the perception of who attends the Denny Ute Muster. But we know that's evolved over year, the years, right? And And I would just love for you to share with people the different types of attendees that attend the muster, because I think that's important because when we talk about being inclusive for all, you need to know who's coming to your event, right? That's correct. Can you just tell people like who comes to the muster, the diversity of people that come? Yep. So originally back in 1999, it was a young age demographics, young single youths pretty much it. Now over the years, um, 25 years on, 
it's families. We have a lot of families, but not just families. We like we still have the young ones. The young ones that came 25 years ago are still coming with their families now, their children and their children's children. And then then there's the the grey nomads that are travelling around, the 50 plus retired people as well. So it's a vast demographics to what it was all of those years ago. And then there's the people that need the accessibility camping or resources or facilities. And that's not just someone in a wheelchair. We had a what we call back then disabled park area. Now we have a accessible park area for people in wheelchairs and we also have an ambulance parking area just so that we to separate them they're in the same area just in you know one's one side of the road and one's the other just so that the people in the wheelchairs have more room to get in and out of their Mm. vehicles and um and then there could be someone with uh crutches or a walking frame can use the other side of the road well one instance is after this case study, and then it was looked at, you know, do we pick up these these great facilities that we have in the ute paddock where it's all young ones, and do they really need those accessible toilet blocks in the ute paddock? And, and after the case study and when we were, you know, we took more notice of who was actually in those mm-hmm. areas, there are so many young ones um, under 25 that camp with their mates in the ute paddock. They don't need a, there's actually a sectioned area for right next to those toilet blocks. They don't want to camp in there. Most times that, that camp area is empty. They can't camp out with their mates in the, with their utes, but they still need those toilets and shower facilities mm. and they're still well used. So it's things like that that we really needed to look at exactly who were coming. We knew their age demographics, but at to what level of assistance they needed to be able to come and be inclusive in, in the whole event. And how do you do that, Vicky? How do you actually, you know, with such a big event, with so many different types of people, do you have any kind of particular approach to being able to identify people that have, you know, specific needs? Yeah, so we have a, a link on our website where mm. people can, so instead of just, turning up and hoping that there's a space for them, for anyone that needs um, some accessible camping or if they've got special needs. There's a link on our website and they upload their information and we contact each one personally. We go through just prior uh, We have three different areas. We've got some people that have been coming for years and years, uh, have the same camp spot in the same accessible area but their families are now coming and behind one of those areas is a reserved campsite. So we make sure that we speak to those people from year to year and say, oh, who in your family is coming? We'll, we'll put aside those campsites so that they're not actually taking up that space, but they're directly behind you as if they're still camping. Mm. So things like that we do so that we contact them all to make sure that they're one camping in the right spot, have the right facilities that they need and they're not feeling out of their comfort zone. And it could be it could be someone that um, can't stand a lot of noise, <laughs> probably not the event, <laughs> but in the camp area. So that they can go they can go back to their camp area 
and not have to camp and get away from the noise at times. So we make sure that we're putting them in the right spot, that they're in the right camp area for for their needs. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things that sticks out in my mind from the Ute Muster was the family area. It's probably changed. I I attended the event years ago, but there was like at that point it was a marquee and it was like for so if there were, you know, breastfeeding mums or, you know, mums that had little kids and they just needed a space to get away and just kind of let the kids chill, I remember that. And that really stood out for me because I think sometimes when we think about accessibility and inclusiveness, we don't often think about just that example, you know, mums. They have specific needs, right? They have to be able to go baby change rooms and you know, and you talk about family. So that to me stands out a lot. I'm keen to understand what other things you do, you know, for other people that have specific mm-hmm. needs. So we have, uh, that's the uh, group called Fusion from Finley run run that family centre. That still is is part, a big part. Yeah, great. It's actually grown. That area has grown. Last year we had a, a fenced, a white picket fence, We've added areas in there so that mums could go and their kids could run around in this lawned area. We've now included a permanent sand pit with covered, so it's a covered area. We've also, last year, we added a science tent marquee so that they could go and make slime, And but the mums could sit in that family centre, they could feed the baby, or even if they didn't have children, they could be older people, younger people, and just wanted to get away, they can go and have a talk to the people that are running that family centre. They can sit there and have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a biscuit or a piece of slice, and that's all free. Or they can feed the baby while their children are running around. So we have grown that area this year with lots of people with and young young people, old people with sensory issues. So we'll be adding mm-hmm. adding a marquee with, sen- with um, sensory items in there so that they can just go out there as well. We also have our local mental health group, so Demi Mental Health. They have a a marquee. This year we'll actually be incorporating them with the medical centre, but last year we had them with a silent disco with um, chill-out type music so they could go there and and just listen, put their headphones on and chill out, do a bit of yoga on the mat or just sit there and talk to some specialised people in mental health if that's what they wanted. So, yeah, there's so many different areas and levels of accessibility and inclusion to just what we thought back back in the day of of catering for people with disabilities. It's all about inclusion now and, and like I said, so many different layers. Yeah. And what about, I'm also curious, Vicky, what about, because you're, I mean, the Ute Muster is about you know, entertainment and live music and a whole range of different forms of entertainment. What about people that have hearing or sight impairment? Is that something that's on your radar? Yeah. So with the hearing, hearing side of it, the latest thing out is a vest that you can wear and so you can feel the music. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. So we've put our name down to it to have some of those. So they're the latest things at festivals. And the New South Wales government also were trialling those. So, yeah, yeah, and it, it's a really it's 
a really cool feeling actually that yeah, you can feel the music that's so it will be uh, hooked up to those vests. So we'll have those this year. For sight impairment, we're, we're working on our on our uh, our pathways and tracks to make them more accessible, not just for people in wheelchairs, but people with mm. sight issues. So what we had done, um, we were very fortunate and received funding from the New South Wales government and uh, we've done a lot of work on our viewing platform. So we have a sports arena, a viewing pl- platform for uh, accessibility so that people have that area that they're not pushed to the back and they they have that area. We also sealed our pathways from one accessible camp area to the next to to the entry into the festival arena and up to that viewing platform. We also have a viewing platform for the front for the main stage. And you know, we once again we thought we ticked the box. We have this viewing platform. It's fenced off. It's concrete. It's got a ramp. But talking to and that's the best thing is to talk to people in that might be in a wheelchair that have been coming to your festival for a, for a long time that have accessible needs from whatever area it may be and so they don't always come by themselves they come with family and friends that are able-bodied and they don't want to be up on that ramp by themselves so it's about having an area that a bit like the camping that they can be with their friends as well and it's the same with just plonking a uh, toilet in when you're there with a group of friends whether you're able-bodied or you've got some accessible needs and you went off as a group and you were going to to the bathroom, you don't want your accessible toilets sticking out by itself somewhere. You need to have one where you have every toilet block just so that, once again, you're no different to anyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah another thing that we, and this was another thing that was really highlighted and we knew we had to do something about when we applied for funding for a shower and a toilet block in one of the camp areas because we only ever had toilets. And the reason we didn't have showers because the hire company didn't have one. And there there are companies now out there that are hiring really great accessible amenity blocks. But back a few years ago, there wasn't a great deal of options. So we we received a letter from Courageon, which is our local disabled accessible team here in town and just about uh, for, for this grant and um, in that letter was we have a great following there's a young group of young teenagers early 20s that come to every event that we have and, and it is really really great to see them come they even come out to our museum when we'll have a poster up you know for Keith that urban for example and they'll stand in front of the poster and get their photo taken they just love events and there's one young local girl that is in a wheelchair and for them to come to the muster or an event, but, but I'll use the muster as an example, when she needs to go to the bathroom or get changed, it's a two to three hour process. So she might be here, they have to take her home. She needs a hydraulic lift to change. And so for them to leave here and get back, she's missing two to three hours of our event. Wow. So that's when we looked at how and what plans we could do. So we had the funding and we had the plans and a company was to do it. And then after COVID, like many, many contractors, they were short. So they let us down for, for this year's muster. And 
They promised they'd have the building done and they didn't. So we had to hire an amenities block and we hired one to the exact specifications of the plans and that was that it had a hydraulic change table. It didn't have a hydraulic lift. It had the shower and toilet in it. And it worked out in our favour because we spoke to the people in that camp area and one guy who's been coming for years in, in his wheelchair and he said it takes him an hour and a half to have a shower, go to the bathroom. So if that's the only unit, that people can't use that for an hour and a half. So right, that was one good. Yeah, wow. Well. We had another guy who was an amputee and in this unit it had mesh on the floor in the shower area. He said, so that was no good to him because, and it didn't have a just a normal seat that came down off the wall. So that was another great lot of feedback. And for the young local girl, it was no good without the hydraulic lift on the back. We're very proud to say that our amenities block is nearly finished. It'll be finished by the end of the month. It has a hydraulic lift. It has it has a tiled floor non-slip. It has the it has a hydraulic change table and the fold down seating in it. And it also has another room off the other end with another shower and toilet in it. Had that contractor been able to build to the specifications of what we thought was correct, it would have been wrong. Mm. Um, so that was a great example of how important it is to talk to your patrons. You know, we've got this great inclusion plan and we've got a wish list and it doesn't all happen overnight. And don't think that you know what everyone needs because we certainly didn't. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to ask whether you have a, a plan or a bit of a roadmap, you know, to guide you because you're right, there are so many different things and it it's so great to hear, you know, that you get that feedback and you have the ability to get that feedback. I think mm. that's the biggest thing is because every event's different as well, right, in terms of the type of people that are coming. So it's also exactly. about knowing who's coming to your event, speaking to them, understand their needs and then having a plan around that. Um, and, you know, what the, the people that we have come for the Denny Ute Master are different to a one-day event, um, our event like Play on the Plains where they're younger and then we hosted in conjunction with TEG in December, we had Keith Urban as part of his world tour here and the demographics were different then. They were older and then when you have an older demographics come, they come with multiple health issues mm. and, and it's not just, like I said before, it's not just those people in a wheelchair. So it's about what we learnt from that to have an event like that, that, if we were to do that again, a one-day event with an artist that attracts a multiple age but a lot of older age demographics that um, for accessibility they have to have their own entrance because of the amount of vehicles that they needed parked in the um, accessible parking area. Yeah, so it's really looking at, at the data and the people in your event as to uh, who's coming. And by having that um, for the muster, by having that link on our website, where they fill out the form, upload it, tell us what their needs are. They can request what area that they go in. And um, for people that have been multiple times, we get to know who's in there and who comes. But for, for new people, they might often tick the wrong box. So that's why we speak to each one individually and advise mm. you know, we've got a better spot, we can move your family here. If you need a quiet area, this is where you're better suited. I love it. 
Vicky, you've given so many great suggestions. I love what you guys are doing. And I think the thing you said towards the end there around, you know, you've got a plan and you can't achieve everything at once, but you've got that wish list. I think that's a really important message. Do you have any other final tips for event organisers around accessibility and inclusion? You've given a ton of yeah, <laughs> a ton already. Um, look, look, the main thing is just to really highlight that you can't do it overnight as much as you might have that list and you want to do it all and to listen to your patrons, talk to them, talk to them. Mm. And, and you can, to begin with, you can do it, you know, you can make an area an area accessible and inclusive to everyone without spending a lot of money to begin with. You know, it might just be marking out an area, hiring some track map to make your pathways more accessible. You know, the hiring of the toilets, you know, that there are companies now that have much better toilets than the the little blue or whatever grey-coloured mm. um that aren't much bigger than the normal single toilets. There, there's a lot more out there now. So it's a, it's about having a look and, uh, um, and you know, contacting other, go to other festivals and see what, yeah. you know, we're yeah. big on doing that is, is going and seeing what's out there. Yeah. Thank you, Vicky. Uh, two key, take, I mean, I've taken a lot away from that. I was just writing notes. I love that idea of those hearing vests. I want to have a look into those. I think the two big things for me were knowing your audience and not being scared to talk to them, you know, and I, I think that getting that feedback all the time, I think that's so important. And the other point I love is that, and I've heard this at other events as well, is just because they may have an accessibility need of some kind, it doesn't mean they want to be separated from everyone else. So it's about thinking how do you integrate them into just the the crowd? You know, they don't want to be singled out as, oh, you're up on this platform or you camp here. It is about that whole how can your event be inclusive for all, whatever type of person that may be or whatever needs that they have. And I think that's the way to look at it. There's also the, you know, whether they're younger or older, but some people need to be included. They, they may not look like they have have any accessible issues at all or any health issues. They might look like an able-bodied person, but um, mm. it's about listening to them. Um, and I think that's why, you know, to have that link on your website or if you don't have a website on your Facebook for them to be able to contact you. So every event and every event space is different. So it's mm. really good to be able to have that information up there and say, you know, at our events in a paddock, we have this, you know, it's not an all-weather, just to, to let them know and access exactly where they're coming to as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Vicky. That's excellent. Okay. Yeah, thanks. There you go. Another great chat with an inspiring event and event organiser in regional New South Wales. Thank you, Vicky. Make sure you check out our other episodes in the podcast for great insights and thought-provoking conversations on best practice event management in regional communities.